In this episode, Ben Curran and I talked with Caroline Fox, an independent game designer and the person behind the game Picture Points. The episode was recorded on April the 15th, 2021. Welcome to Game Chats on Design Talk. We're very pleased to have Caroline Fox in the chat with us today to talk about past publication from paper to production. To start off with Caroline, could you maybe tell us about the, the last couple of games you designed, the one that got over the line and the one that didn't? So, two games. One uh, I took to Spiel and I didn't get it published. And another I was working on while I went to Spiel and that did get published. So the one that got published was born out of boredom while I was doing my business plan for the first game and I started to doodle and I thought to myself when I should have been doing my five-year projections I thought hmm how well do I really know what Statue of Liberty looks like so I started to doodle Statue of Liberty and then I said huh that's not great because for somebody who is an illustrator studied illustration and graphic design that's not a great drawing so I went to the actual Statue of Liberty and looked at her and realized I really didn't know what she looked like at all. You know, I, there were details I missed. So I thought, there might be a game in this. And I tested it out with my kids after dinner and two hours went past and they still wanted to play more. So I thought, OK, maybe I should be working on this. So this kind of just out of the blue, essentially, you, you had an idea, gave it a go and um, Meanwhile, you're developing another game, which you'd invested quite a lot of time in. There doesn't seem to be a kind of limit, does there? You can do this anytime. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose you, you can't really plan an idea. You know, you, you run with it when you get one, you know. So I've been working away and really pulling this first game apart, you know, testing it and testing it. And I, I made commitments. I was on an entrepreneurial development program. And I committed to finding 100 testers for this game. And I found it really tough. And it was pre-COVID. So I went to all the uh, the game test functions in the various pubs around Dublin. Uh, went down to Cork to test it up to the north. It nearly got tested to death. You know, it changed a lot with every iteration after testing. And, and then I found I lost a little momentum with it. Whereas this this new, simpler game, Picture Points, it just captured my imagination more and there was there was it was something I felt that I could I could get it on a shop shelf myself without too much money you know I could get a small print run done myself and I could get it out the door whereas with the first one I felt it was too big you know there was a board involved there were lots of components and it, it just for a first game there was too much going on with it and also with the testing it, it kind of turned into something it was too different the first game you had a, a fairly developed idea when you went into the program didn't you I did yeah so um it was it was really born out of my, my daughter who was around six was a, a big fan of making uh, maze maze puzzles you know and she made a really funny one one time it was hilarious um it was really silly and I said could I could I take your concept and put some proper graphics on it and she said there are proper graphics on it. How dare you? And uh, so she basically said, keep your greedy mitts off my IP. Not not in that language, but that's what she meant. So I said, right, I'll, I'll make my own game. And I made a pathfinding game with hexes, hexagons. It, it looked to me like uh, stepping stones on the giant's causeway. 
you know, so that's the concept of it. It was called the causeway. And it started off much simpler than it ended up. It got quite complex, you know, uh, with all the testing that went on. And I tested with serious gamers. Now, I'm not a serious gamer. I I like party games, family games, short that you can dip in and out of. That's my that's my area, you know. Um, but this turned into quite a heavy strategy game. And, uh, you know, I heard I had some lousy feedback on it and I had great feedback. I had when I went to spiel with it, I had a prototypers table where people just happened by and tried it out. And I had publishers saying, no, 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 this will never work. And I had ordinary customers saying, please let me buy it. I need to buy it now. You know, so on my uh, New Frontiers program, I had encountered a few mentors who said, look at the middle ground and see what the common thread is, is flowing through that and take that advice. You know, and I found that really useful. That's fascinating in the sense that you had this developed game idea. You've been in an entrepreneurial program. The game is coming to fruition. You've got it's it's presentable. There's art. It's playable. You've tested it on 100 people. You've had their feedback and you've the game design itself has evolved to incorporate that feedback. And then you bring it to Spiel in Essen and you're you're mm-hmm. you're in the prototyping. You're doing everything right. And yet it ended up being in a sense wrong. Yeah, I I think I lost heart with it after Spiel though. I I was quite deflated after Spiel. Um now in, in the long term. It was beneficial to go there. That's where I ultimately met my my publisher, even though I didn't meet them in person, but I found them there. Um, so anyway, to, to answer your question, yeah, I did everything by the book on the first game. And it 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 was it's just I think so one of the publishers said to me, uh, it's too chaotic for us. And he, I feel he was right. He summed it up in that short sentence. It got too chaotic, the game, from, from my, from my point of view as well. Now, um, I haven't completely put it to bed, but I, I need to make it something that I can play, you know, and I want to play. So, meanwhile, um, meanwhile your daughter is taking you to copyright court because it's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just on that, this, what you've identified as a failing and that is, Committing to doing a hundred people market research exercise, how many people do you think is enough to get good feedback on a game prototype? Yeah, this is interesting because with the game that got published, Picture Points, I did very little testing with that. And and it was on friends and family because of COVID, you know. So um I didn't have the opportunity to open it up to a huge amount of testers, which I probably would have. Um, but then again, it's such a simple game. I think it didn't need a huge amount of testing. You know, with a complex game, you're going to have to test it a lot and make sure you've got all the bugs out of it, you know. Um, so the the magic number is, <laughs> is, is however long it takes, I think, until until you're kind of certain that the, the bugs are gone. Or and people are not picking up on uh, errors, or and people are still enjoying it. I think when when the feedback kind of peters out and it's more or less the same, consistent, I think that's when you can stop testing. 
and you're also probably avoiding adding new features that are just being thrown at you willy-nilly and that you're kind of more focused on this particular game and its essence. Yeah, I think, yeah, you have to be very disciplined about the advice you take or the changes you make based on feedback. Because a lot of people, when you're asking for feedback, they feel like they have to tell you something. You know, they feel like they, oh, I better help her out and give her some some guidance here, you know. And they wouldn't actually mean it. When you're starting off, you feel like you have to take everything on board and say, oh, um, this person didn't like this aspect of, so I better change that. And this person loved this and I better keep that. You know, um, you've got to filter that out and say, well, look, is this legitimate feedback? Or does it suit me? Does it suit the game? Sometimes people aren't going to like some aspect of it. And that's that has to be fine. You have to be okay with it. So with Picture Point, um I, had you even the 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 name of the game at that stage when you just sort of threw it out there with people or did yeah I had the name and uh I just I kind of we had to do frequent pitches when I was on the the entrepreneurs program you know so um I started adding in this other game you know and uh I think it kind of disturbed the <laughs> the facilitator of the program a bit he said hold on you're getting sidetracked here now you know you said you were going to do this game now and you're getting bored and you're you're going off on a tangent now and I said no 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 I've good reasons to do this this second game because I I can get it out the door myself I can I can afford to do that myself I couldn't afford to do the other one uh, but they didn't buy it. So I, I, I kept sneaking in into the pitches, you know, and then I'm going to do picture points. And, and at the time, picture points, the name was just a, a, a placeholder title. You know, I didn't think I'd keep it. And then uh, I couldn't come up with anything better. So I just kept it. Uh, and eventually when I got it printed and I got it into a shop, it, it was fine. I, 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 you know, I thought, oh yeah, well, it's a, it's an okay title. And then when it got published with a German publisher, I expected them to change it to a German title, and they didn't. They they kept it, which I was surprised at. It's it's interesting that your so you took this idea, which was at the you know you probably have many ideas running at, in parallel at any time, and you've yeah. captured a couple of them. You're developing a couple of them, and. Um, and and this particular one, you said, well, at least I can self-publish. So you went the self-publishing route and yeah. um, essentially proved its market in a, in a way. I was confident about it because it was a simple card game. Like wh- when I first thought of it, I thought, you know, it has to be like the scale of Pictionary in a big box with the notepads, with the pencils, with all the bells and whistles. But I couldn't afford to do it. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to have to pair it right back and just have, you know, 50 cards in a box. And I did my sums and I said, oh, I, I can do that. You know, it was expensive for such a small run. I think I only got, you know, 50 boxes printed. And it, it was it was very expensive. I mean, it worked out per unit more than I the the retail price would be, you know. So it was never about making money. I just needed to get it on a shelf and I needed to see people see would people pick it off a shelf notice it first of all pick it up and then pay money for it that's the biggie you know that was the big question I needed to have answered and the fact that you self-published that you put it on shelves that you proved that people were prepared to pay something for it and um, 
uh, you've got a price point. Um, it wasn't an obstacle to a publisher picking it up later on then, was it? No, it wasn't. And, you know, I thought I would have to, if, if somebody was interested, I thought I'd have to prove that I could, I could, it, it moved from off the shelf, you know, um, and it, it didn't matter to them. You know, they didn't inquire, you know, and, you know, they, there was no inquiry about the sales or, you know, who was buying them, which I expected. They just said, oh, I really like this and we're, we're happy to publish it. And it was as casual as that. Out of interest, um, when, when you got the publisher on board, Moses, part of uh, an imprint of uh, the Verlag Group um, in Germany, they applied their own treatment on it. How did you feel about that? Oh, I, f- I fully expected it. Yeah, I didn't expect my graphics to to remain on the box. Whatever changes need to be made, they know their market. They understand the customers. Whatever they need to do to get it to the customers is absolutely fine by me. So I'm not precious about that at all. Uh, with a game like Picture Points, you've got this balancing act in the uh, reward mechanism and the difficulty of the game. Did you model it or how did you go about arriving at those figures and, and the um, the scoring mechanism and all of them, the mechanics? I just sat down and I mean, there's no, there's no kind of formula that I, I followed. You know, I'm a big fan of QI and I love the way the klaxon goes off when they say something obvious. Then, you know, and then they're, they're, uh, their scoring system goes into minus territory. So I'm a big fan of that. So maybe that had some influence on. So when I when I sat down that first day, you know, when I should have been doing my business plan and instead I was doodling the Statue of Liberty, when I actually went to look at the Statue of Liberty, I realized she had shackles on her ankles, which I hadn't realized. And, uh, you know, I love to discover oddities. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I didn't know about that. So why I should I should score minus points for for that, for not including or, or putting in something obvious, you know. So I think maybe I was influenced a little by the QI game show uh, where you're you lose points. You know, it's 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 funny. It's actually funny to lose points, you know, you kind of kick yourself. So in, in that way, I was just trial and error then on, on various pictures. You know, I'd, I'd award points for very obvious things. But if you left something out that you should really know about, like you, you scored, you, you got taken your points were taken away from you. So um, I didn't sit down with a spreadsheet and, and punch in the numbers. I just literally doodled everything myself awarded points, guessed, guessed myself where I'd award the points and take them away and then just tested it on people to see, to see did it work or did it annoy them, didn't annoy them too much. Uh, there was laughter around the table. So I figured, yeah, okay, I hear laughter. I'll go with that. That's, that's fine. And, and then that's, that's how I managed it. I don't, it's probably a very disappointing and answer to give you because there's there's kind of no science involved I just it's trial and error as far as I'm concerned you know I'll, I'll try it if it doesn't work I'll change it your approach to trying it and listening um carefully is is your underlying process yeah well that that is important to me because had it not been for COVID I definitely would have gone to the market stalls and just I, I really believe in just seeing the people, watching people, see what they pick up, see if they flip it over and read the back of it. 
Um, and then do they take it up to the till, you know, and that's really, really what I wanted to see, you know, or, or if it was a market stall, do they pay money for it? Um, as a teenager, I used to sell everything. If it wasn't nailed down, I used to sell it. So, uh, it's in your blood. You, you, you <laughs> like the, the thrill of trade. Exactly. Yeah. And I understand, I, I get it. You know, you make a thing, you sell the thing. I, I, it's, I'm a very simple person. I get that. I like to see people and I like to see the look in their eyes. I like to see if they're interested and then I like to hear what they have to say. For Picture Points itself now, um, it seems some of the things you were doing with the other game that didn't work out were actually also essential for Picture Points. Attending the Eschen Spiel for you, what did you learn going to Spiel? I went with my husband. He loved it. He absolutely adored it. I, I well, Maybe there was more pressure on me because I I wanted a result from this and I hadn't organized any meetings. I didn't know how to. I didn't know what to, I think I mailed a few people and said a few publishers and said, hello, can I meet you? I never heard back from them, you know. So I literally didn't know what to do once I landed there. And I went with. Um, so the first board game was a boxed game like boards and components and I, I made like cardboard versions of them. It was quite expensive to bring them. And I had, had one suitcase full of these prototypes. It was a complete waste of time because the publishers don't want big, to take back big bulky prototypes after spiel back to their offices either. So that was an expensive lesson. But I wouldn't do that again. What they really wanted was a sell sheet, which I hadn't been familiar with before. So the sell sheet is just the title, the slug line, the, the blurb about it, the list of components, the benefits of this game or the selling points and just your contact details. So it's very, very simple. And this is really what they all want. Uh, and I found even more than the video because I have I got a, quite a nice video made for my website. It's really the sell sheet that they all want, you know. So I, that that was a valuable lesson as well. And the sell sheet, of course, is much cheaper to to produce than you know fifty prototypes. If I was to go to Spiel again, just to organise meetings first, you know, get your slot because it's so hard once you get there to get to talk to anybody because it is it was so full of people you could, you could barely move. And I had my prototypes and I was trying to go around each um, publisher stall to give them a prototype and literally got crushed, the prototypes, and I got crushed in, in the throng. I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't realize how big Spiel was. I would be physically more prepared for that if I was to go again. So Spiel has the prototyping section. It's very casual. But as you as you found, there's all this formality and, and structure around Spiel too for uh, more involved engagement and interaction. You can go with something rough. You can also go with a, a plan. Although I, m- I met somebody there who he he didn't he he didn't get a prototyper's table, so he just got a ticket for one day, you know, as as a customer. And he he brought his son. He had a twelve year old son who made a game, and it was really good. It was fantastic. And uh, he went. He just went around the stalls saying, "Are you interested? Are you interested?" You know. And had he had one game, one prototype. He showed it to everyone. And after a day, he had a publisher. 
you know, so you can go on spec with very little preparation. Um, but, he, but what he had was a great game as well. That's the other the other part of it, you know. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have so much baggage going again. Yeah, definitely. Do you think it's necessary to attend these conventions and trade events or is it just something you had to do once? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I think when when I came back from Spiel, I thought, hmm, I think I just wasted that time and money. Um, I think it's not essential. You, you can have a discussion with publishers without meeting them face to face. And it is so hard to get to talk to them because everybody wants to talk to them, to them at Spiel. There are some publishers that are, most of them are very open to talking, you know. If, if you give them something, they'll get back to you. They're really good that way and they'll give you feedback. And they'll, if, if it's not for them, they'll tell you why it's not for them. They'll give you a good reason for it, like, you know. So I could probably get through the rest of my life never going to spiel again, you know. I might go out of curiosity if, if I have something being launched there. I mean, for instance, Picture Points is to be published in August. So spiel, if COVID allowed it, it would happen in uh, October. So, I mean, I probably would be tempted to go and just see it there on a shelf just just for my ego. But I, I don't know if I would need to go to find the publisher again. But if you're passionate about games, it's a great place to be. You know, if you're passionate about the, the gamer lifestyle as well, you know, it's there's a great vibe there for people who love that that type of thing. I, I kind of get the idea that, um, yes, you can go to these conventions and, and trade events with a very um, functional utilitarian goal in mind. But there's also a value in going to absorb the kind of community atmosphere to understand your yeah. audience. Yeah, there's that that side of things is is valuable at least to go a couple of times. Yeah, and and everybody there was so happy. They were just they were they were just buzzing, you know. And they'd have these huge carts uh, full of very expensive games, you know. And they'd go and stock up for the year. And there was a lovely vibe about the place. It was very um, it's like a marketplace, you know. It, really thriving marketplace and uh yeah it was great and you know when you did get to talk to publishers they they're very um open to having a chat it was just get hard to get to them because they were so busy but then you know that that openness is available if, if you just contact them as well uh beforehand it's it's, cer- it's certain publishers you know i i did i mean i said earlier that i i I mailed a few before Spiel to try and arrange a meeting, but they were bigger people, bigger organizations. So, you know, it was it was hard to get a response from them. But the smaller ones definitely are very open to conversations. Um, there's a publisher called Blue Orange and they'll um, they'll they'll have their meeting time and they'll send out a, a mail to people on their mailing list and say, OK, we're having meetings. Does anyone want to book a slot? You know, and it's that easy. You book your slot and you get to talk to them. And uh, it's and it's really good, you know. They're they're very open. So I found that with a lot of kind of Euro publishers that they're just very friendly and open to having a chat. But at the same time, I think um, there's a concentration of them there, and you're they're presented to you, and they're accessible. So now you know what the landscape is like. So that digitally, um, virtually, no problem. That's from from starting cold, not even knowing the industry, how it's set up. I think you just took a degree in game design by going to Spiel. That's true. Yeah, I, you know, there were there were 
publishers there I'd never heard of. So I thought, okay, okay, well, you know, they're legit and they have this, they have a presence and they have an audience. So, so it's good for a recent, from a research point of view. Was it also to um, tap into the manufacturing supply chain and all of that aspect of distribution and production and going into retail, et cetera? I did most of that research just online. I, I didn't really get that from Spiel. Although I did, you know, listen in on a few conversations, you know, a Kickstarter had a stand there and they were very, you know, they had a party for everybody to, you know, fed them and gave them a few drinks. So I, I listened in on a few conversations about supply and, you know, distri- distribution and Brexit because Brexit hadn't happened yet. It was on the cards, but uh, it hadn't kicked in yet. So uh, so I was listening in on all that and I, th- I felt very naive. <laughs> on that because you know I mean the Kickstarter stand is going to be completely different because that is part of the whole package you know is the print and distribution and you know it's not you know when you're just talking to publishers that's their bag they look after all that so you don't have to kind of worry about all that but at the Kickstarter stand there was a lot more information about that was really interesting but I you know I didn't speak to anyone directly about that and uh, my experience of print and distribution is so limited I did a very small print run and I sold it directly through a shop not through a distributor so I don't really have other than the research I've done I have no experience of using a distributor at all. Out of interest um, Essen's obviously in Germany what what's the best market to go for as a startup uh, with a new idea with a new game? Um, well um, I read a report uh, so, so there's a great uh, resource that I think everybody should know about. Uh, EI have a great library out on uh, in, uh, the north wall, out on the north side. And uh, so I rang them up and made my appointment to go in and they choose. I told them I was interested in uh, European, uh, mostly German is what I was interested in, the German uh toy and game industry you know so they pick out the reports that I'll need to look at and uh, in those reports I I went in there thinking Germany is the place for me I need to get to the German market you know just based on my own research but when I read the reports I discovered that the UK sold more games more tabletop games than any other country in Europe they were part of Europe at that stage Um, so I was surprised at that I, I thought Germany, I thought the German market was much bigger than the British one. But apparently, apparently, based on the report I, I read anyway, the UK was the biggest market. But um, I still, I still, I don't know. I just set my sights on the German market when I was on my New Frontiers program. And this is this is what I put in my pitches. You know, they, these are the people I need to get to. These are this is my audience. And uh, you, you talked about serendipity earlier. Yeah, it, it ended up. That that seems to be my audience for picture points uh, at the moment. Now, I hope it extends beyond German, German speaking countries. But that's who I set my sights on. And it just so happened that the publisher I got was German. And I, I don't think it's entirely by design that that's happened. It, it is a bit serendipitous. Yeah, I was surprised by uh, that, too. I think um, it gives us a double advantage, I suppose, if we're outward looking and everybody I've ever spoken to who's been an entrepreneur or involved in a startup or they've said you you think you're going to own the Irish market but think abroad think international uh, the UK is definitely an easy 
UN, cultural, linguistic, etc. And um, but having that eye on Germany, on on European um, customers, I think is really really uh, valuable and beneficial in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the Irish market is so small, you know, uh, you really need to get. I mean, it's grand to to test it out here, but you really you really need to get it to a, to a much larger market. And um, it just it just struck me that the German market Germans seem to just be very open to games, and I, I got the feeling that they kind of they play anything. You know, give me something to play, I'll play it. You know, I'll give it a go. I have no science to back that up. It's just a feeling I got when I was um, at the spiel. The idea of having all the pieces together for a short period of time of the puzzle for a game marketing, game design, game manufacturing, other game designers, I think is really um, impressive. And that's why I think trade shows are uh, so compelling, even um, for independent designers like yourself. Uh, what for you, this, I'm not sure if you, you read this question. So what for you are sta- the standout game? What is the masterpiece of design that you would consider to be a standout game of recent years or of history? I'm, I'm, really boring okay so i'm not i'm I'm going to really disappoint you with my answer you know my favorite game is trivial pursuit i love trivial pursuit i love pictionary i love all those classic games um so i'm i'm really sorry to disappoint you (laughs) i'd love to give you something you know wildly exotic but yeah i love pictionary i love um trivial pursuit lately we've been playing really really short games because you know i'm i'm a middle-aged parent you know i don't have time to play so uh, but i still want to engage with my family you know around the table so i picked up a few really really small quick games to play taco cat goat cheese pizza i don't know if you heard of that one that's a big hit in our house since christmas um it's really it's really funny and uh you know it's mad and it's noisy and it's a lot of fun and you can dip in and out and you can go out in the middle of it and you know wash the dishes and come back and and get back into it you know and uh and so I like and Uno of course is a great hit in our house and Bananagrams you know very very brief quick fun games that's what I like. Out of interest Hive I, I see you have a copy did you what do you think of that as a? Yes yeah oh I enjoyed Hive yeah and I was very jealous of it because it's not a million miles away from the Causeway game that I made that I I didn't get published. You know, it's it's much better. Okay, <laughs> it's much better. But you know the the hexes and I, like uh, I I just saw it and I went oh it's so it's so simple and it's so it's so tactile. You know, it's it's just perfect. Yeah. So I yeah I was crushed when I saw it and also very impressed. I can well imagine. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure Causeway has a future. And as as we've heard, a lot of designers have a backlist of projects that are in development and their time arises at some point. Yeah, well, I have I have a, a game that I'm working on at the moment. I've worked, I've done about three in the past three months uh, and they just didn't work. So recently I just hit on one. And if, you know, if the family keep playing it after an hour and still keep going, then I know I'm onto something. So that happened with one of these games. So I'm going to continue with that and see what happens. Well, gr- good luck with that. I look forward to Thank seeing you. what you produce. I, I really do. I'm looking forward to that. Um, ben, Thanks. would you like to do the wrap up? Yes, perfect. Um, 
Well, thank you, Caroline, for taking the time to give us your insights on creating games and the, the business of game design. Thanks for having me on the show. It's really good of you. It was really wonderful. We got a, a lot of good information and I think we all learned a lot. Thank you very much. And uh, the podcast great. So well done on that. We hope you enjoyed the podcast too. Thank you for listening to The Game Chat on designtalk.ie.